I think that comes down to, to communication in a big way. How do companies communicate and make sure that everybody's on the same strategy, same wavelength? I think that plays into company culture. I think that turns it, that, that changes to business culture. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer Podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest. Chris Morrison, Vice President of Customer Success at Interact Software. Currently residing in Oklahoma, originally from Scotland, having studied in Greece and worked in mainland Europe and the UK, Chris will broaden your perspective on the nuances of customer success through an international lens. And now, your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. So from its very early beginnings within Silicon Valley in the late 90s to today, the reach of customer success has truly been global, with roles spanning everywhere from the US to Europe, South America, Africa, and Asia. And what's been really fascinating along this journey is not only how prevalent that customer success has become, but also how it's evolved in different regions and also the diverse backgrounds that customer success professionals have come from. And this is especially true of my next guest. Chris Morrison, the VP of Customer Success Interact, has held several customer success positions in the US, but originally housed from Aberdeen in Scotland. Added to that, he has an incredibly diverse background, originally graduating in computer sciences, then managing a bar in Greece before finding his home in customer success in the US. Chris, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Adam. Delighted to be here. So I've given a quick plotted background and history to you, but it's nothing like hearing it in your own voice. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure. So... As you mentioned, I run the customer success team at, at Interact Intranet. Um, so we're an internet provider headquartered out of Manchester, um, although we have a couple of offices here in the United States. As you said, my background is probably a little bit unique, and, and <laughs> certainly my accent is a little bit a little bit challenging for the folks here in Oklahoma. So I moved to Oklahoma back in 2017. I've lived in the United States now for about 12 years. So I went from New York on the on the East Coast to California on the West Coast. And now I couldn't be, couldn't be much more central here in Tulsa, in, in Oklahoma. As you said, lots of, different, lots of different experiences. Running the bar in Greece was, was clearly a highlight. That's actually how I ended up in the United States because my, I decided after a while that I could say some of the bad words in Greek, but I, I couldn't really speak the language. And I figured that if I was going to be staying there long term, I needed to, to learn the language there. So I went to, to the university in Thessaloniki up in, in northern Greece. My wife is Greek-American. She was doing a gap year over in, uh, in Thessaloniki. We met there, and the rest, as they say, is, is history. It's history. So I have to ask, what was the, the name of the, the bar in Greece, and what was the, your speciality cocktail that you did, or one if you've got friends over that you, you, it would be your go-to drink? 
So the bar was, it was a pool bar. So it was one of those bars where you could get and get snacks throughout the day and then it sort of transformed into a bar at night. So it was actually um, it was called Timotheus. It was named after the, the guy that owned the property. And as far as my speciality cocktail, I mean, I, I, I had about 500 different cocktails <laughs> and a lot of it came from, you know, my, my nickname became Cocktail Chris. I don't tell many people that. Uh, for obvious reasons, but Cocktail Chris was was, was the nickname I got on the Island radio station. It's called Island FM at the time. And realistically, what I what I did was I, I took ingredients from you know, whatever was available and just just tried to make things that people would in, would enjoy. Personally, I'm 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 much more of a, a Scotch drinker. You can That's take the boy favorite. out of Scotland, but not Scotland out the boy. That is true. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, I mentioned before that every, you know, a lot of people who today work in customer success has had somewhat of a diverse background. I used to work in Petticoat Lane Market as a lad, and and actually, it taught me so much about communicating with people and empathy and so on. And so, even with that such a kind of such a diverse background, there's always things and and learnings that come out of of, of any role that you you did. So as you think about your computer services background, moving internationally from the UK to, to mainland Europe and then Europe to the, the US and working in a, a CS role, is there anything particularly other than the opportunity came up that have motivated each of those moves? Because when you look at them individually, it seems a little bit disparate, but clearly they've all come together to really help you in where you are now. But did, was there any kind of underlying genius that, that kind of motivated each of those moves? Or was it more about the opportunity that arose at the specific time in your life? I think there's, there's a couple of factors there. So when I went to, to university, I really wanted to study international relations. That was the the topic that I thought would be most aligned with what I wanted to do. But I was also realistic that computer science, the internet information systems, I think that's what it's officially called, was just, was, was more likely to be able to get me to get a job. And so, you know, I started out, I, I, had, a, I had a degree of aptitude for it. I enjoyed programming, at least for a while. And I think once I got to, to, towards the end of it, I'd realized that I, I really just don't have the patience to be a programmer when it works it's it's the most amazing thing you, you develop something you create something new yeah. when it doesn't and you're looking for that little dot or that little you know, apostrophe somewhere <laughs> it's frustration and so by the time i, I got to the end of my my, my my degree i'd had a passing in the family there's a lot of sort of stuff going on there that i, I just thought you know I'd, I'd been going to greece since i was five or six years old i'd been there every summer and i thought you know what i'm gonna go out there and work as a waiter and there's a whole different story about what happened with that because actually when I went out to be the waiter, we ended up you know, having to give our passports in, and if we didn't make enough, if the restaurant didn't make enough money, you just didn't you know you would get one of the ways you got paid was in terms of your food, you got your meals. I think I got two euros an hour at that point, and I kind of get it was like, well, that's not the right, this isn't right. I ended up moving to the bar, but I think from a from a motivation standpoint, I mean, I think for me at that point was. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy doing things that are a little bit different. I enjoy learning new things and seeing new things. And I, and I think that was the that was the primary motivator. And then when I got over there, I was like, well, when when certainly Greece is a little bit different from Spain, some of these other places where, you know, typically in Greece the summer season works, you know, roughly from about April to to October, so about six months of the year. The intent for me was to come back to Scotland and spend 
six months in Scotland, six months in Greece. And I started to realize that, hey, there's a niche here. There's a, you know, all these, all these hotels, all these bars, all these restaurants, they need websites. And so I ended up staying year round Greece and I was able to marry the sort of computer work with people work. And I had a lot of, a lot of fun with it. You mentioned there about enjoy working with people. So when, when I, obviously that tends to be when you look at the common denominators of most CSMs or customer success leaders that I work with, being really people orientated, trying to work out what, what drives them, what motivates them, have, being highly empathetic are all common traits and personalities of people in a CS. So I dare say, even in kind of bar work or any of the other roles that you did designing websites, I guess that was all a good learning ground for what you now do in CS, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. And I think the one of the, the great parallels with that is that when people go on their, their, their vacations or their holidays or summer holidays, that's the, for, for, for most people, if they're able to, to do that, that's the one time a year where they get a break. And so it's a, it's a really special time for people when they go on vacation, they go on holiday. And so what we were trying to do in the, in the bar was, for us, we, we lived it. We lived on a beautiful island with sun, sea, sand. I, was, I felt like I was permanently on holiday. It's just, uh, it was a thing. But we were trying to make sure that the experience they had, that, that, that the guests had, was, was special. And so we worked up different things, different playbooks. There's, there, there's that parallel with customer success where some nights we did the Greek nights where you got to smash the plates. <laughs> we did the quiz nights. We did karaoke nights. And we would take some, some of the guys while they were over there, they would take them and play five-a-side football. We'd show some of the football matches on the TV from back home. We were just trying to create different things for the different customers we had. Sometimes, and if you looked at it over a period of time, you saw differences in the customers, the segments, of people who came based on the time of year. So those folks who came in, in, in April, May tended to skew a little bit older. And part of the reason for that was that they didn't have kids and they could get off work at that point in time. It's a little bit cheaper. And so they probably weren't as interested in karaoke. Mm. But as you got into to July and August, you had folks, families, and a younger sort of demographic coming over. We would change the program. Yeah, it's, you know, as I said, I mean, you start to put those things together. You've got these playbooks and these segments. Guess what? It, it's what we're doing in in uh, customer success. Exactly. I mean, it's just building different types of personas, right? And then once you identify who, what what persona is that you're trying to target, and then how can you best serve that customer? And also, how do you know? whether you're achieving it or not. So I guess back in the days of running a bar or whatever, it could be how many customers return or how many nights of their holidays that they like to spend with you. And again, the parallels work work really well in CS. I mean, one of the other reasons that I was so excited to have you join me for this podcast is that it's, it's very rare that I come across someone with such a diverse background in having worked in so many different regions as well. So when we talk about customer success, customer success is... There are definitely differences in different regions from different professionals that I've spoken to, even though that you know, very often in the, in the US and UK, some of the same types of programs have been implemented. They've had varying levels of success based on whether you're dealing with a largely American or, or UK audience. So I definitely know there are cultural differences. And I think those are only either further exacerbated as you go towards Asia more specifically, but even continental Europe. So looking at your diverse background coming from the UK originally, 
being in mainland Europe, although I, I appreciate that was for not customer success, but obviously now being in the US, have you noticed any trends or differences with different kinds of audiences that you work with? Maybe we focus in more in the US and UK, but if you've got any other comments about Europe as well or any other region you've been to, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a really great question. I think that key message, right? So the overall message is that you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to adapt your approach to the folks that you're dealing with. Now, I'll give you an example, a story. I won't name name names, but hmm. I used to work with a guy who, really, really great guy, you know, really, really well-educated, really infectious personality. And he was he was based in the, in the U.S., he was a uh, you know, college college athlete, etc. And this guy could come into a room and would just light the whole would light the whole room up. He would just be so positive. And I'll never forget. We went to see uh, Tesco. So for those of you listening in the US, Tesco's the certainly was the, the third largest retailer in the world, one of the major retailers in the UK. And and we we flew over from the US to, to meet with these folks. And so so this gentleman, we walked into the meeting, and he goes to give a high five. <laughs> to the to the the guy at Tesco, and the Tesco guy just stuck his hand out and he's like, "How do you do?" And and it was just the it was just that one moment. And I looked at it and I was like, "It was so funny because this guy was so you know it just changed the whole it changed the whole tone of the meeting." And I think he was just taken aback by, "Hang on a second, this isn't my my normal style isn't working." And I think that it's that it's it's that adaptability, it's that under you know getting to know your customers. I think that. One of the things that, that that I still see today is that we get on, and this is a you know, I talk about the whole industry. Folks still get on calls with customers and don't have any idea about what the customer actually does. And if you come in from that mindset, it's just like, hey, this is my product. I'm going to tell you about my product, but you don't understand what they do. You don't listen to what they have to say. You're not going to be successful. I think in Greece, I'll never forget when I I called a place. And I asked them in Greek if they speak English. And they responded to me with no. And I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't click until I hung up the phone. And I said, hang on a second. They responded me to, to me in English. <laughs> I've been asked if they spoke in English. And, and it, it, was, it was kind of funny. So after that point, you know, I changed the approach. And I just started calling and speaking in English with the assumption that they could speak English. And when they responded, if they responded, say, I can't speak it, then, then we would have a different conversation in, in Greek. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I think just listening to people, understanding people, being able to 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 adapt your your approach based on on the circumstances is is one of the the key key things that I would take from from the experience. Mm. I mean, certainly the example that you gave with your brilliant illustration about the high five and handshakes a really interesting one and an amusing one. But I, I think I see that being played out all the time, particularly in my experience and working in software businesses for all of my career, actually. It's more than just time zone differences. And clearly, when an American audience to an English one, we share a language. But in terms of the expectations, some of the cultural differences, they are there and maybe slightly they're nuanced. But I think as English firms looking to support and sell out into the US and vice versa, I think it's a really important decision to make as to when the right time is to provide, even though there's obviously a big cost center associated with it. I think if you're serious about serving customers in a specific region, I don't think anything beats having that presence there, not only to build that relationship with customers, but also to understand trends and understand the the bigger picture and then how that plays itself into the 
the product that you work with. I, I believe strongly in that. Would you go along with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that I'm a, a father of three boys. I have a, a nine-year-old and twin six-year-olds. And it's even it even plays out. You know, when you think about the language, the language challenges. Yes, you're right. We we do all speak English, but there's times when I'll talk about, let's say, aluminium, and they talk about aluminium, <laughs> and it's just little things where they'll go into school sometimes and they'll say something to to the teacher, and the teacher's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about," and they've they've picked something up that that I've said or or, or words that I've used, and so I think it's yeah. I mean, it's it's just a really sort of Interesting mix, but I, yeah. but I do think you have to be able to, to adapt to that. Most importantly, I, ho- I hope they call it football and not soccer. That's that's my only hope. Well, that's that's uh, that's a that's a definite. They're uh, they're all uh, they're all strong Aberdeen supporters, <laughs> and I'm sure that that they're in a, a, a. I can't imagine there are too many Aberdeen supporters in your in your neck of the woods. So that must be great to see. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. <laughs> I just wanted to finish off. Clearly, we're in a, a kind of unique time at the moment. We're recording this in June 2020, at least in the UK from where I'm or I am. We're starting to see some relaxation of, at least from a, a B2C perspective, some relaxation of all of the, the lockdown rules. But clearly, you know, I'm at home recording this. So are you. It'll be interesting to see whether the, the rapid rate of digital transformation carries on unabated and whether we, we don't just go back to the old ways of working that we we adapt to whole new ones. And maybe the, the even thought of everyone being in office five days of the week is seeing something like the necktie used to be that, you know, no one ever wears them anymore. What do you, I'm just really interested in as we finish off this conversation, Chris, what, what do you think uh, some of the trends or some of the lessons that you think might continue hopefully way after this horrible pandemic is finished? Frankly, we're, we're in an unprecedented time. And I think that the 2020 is going to go down in, in history as very, a very unique <laughs> it's special, but certainly unique year. Yeah. Um, and you know, so you have the pandemic, but you also have you know, many of the social causes that are we're, we're going through right now. And I think that working from home, and, and I think for a lot of businesses, I, I, I remember when I when I started with one of my my companies, I moved in quite a distance to to take the role. And the CEO at that point had said, "Hey, we're we're not going to, you know, we, we can't. We really want to hire you, but we can't hire you if unless you're based here." And I spoke to that guy recently, and and he said, "Yeah, of course we're going to do remote. Of course we're going to have everybody remote." And and it's and it's amazing how that's changed. I think that from a professional standpoint, so I, so I mentioned at the start, I, I work with with Interact, and Interact, you know, effectively we we do these sort of private networks where you know we we allow employees to communicate, allow leadership to communicate messages, all, all the all the sort of facets of internal communications. I think that becomes increasingly important as we go through this because I think in the first couple of months everyone looked at it and went, this working from home stuff's really great. You know, I get to, you know, I don't have to get get up so early. I don't have to to travel. I don't get any of this distraction. But I think as human beings we are naturally social. Certainly, a, a percentage of the population is naturally social, and so I think that how we maintain the, those aspects—you know, the things such as the use example about water cooler, where you're you're just chatting with somebody and you learn something—it's how we manage to maintain that, mm. how we main, maintain those social relationships while giving folks the freedom to to not be in an office twenty-four-seven. And so I think that that comes down to to communication in a big way. How do how do companies communicate and make sure that everybody's on the same strategy, same wavelength, 
And I think that plays into company culture. I think that turns that that changes to business culture. So I, you know, it's not a great answer, but but I, but I do think that you know, we are going to see increased virtual work, and I think that's pretty obvious. But I but I'm interested to see as we move into 2021 what that means from a marketing standpoint. Do we continue to do as many in-person events? Do we actually do more in-person events because because we're less in the the office? We've decided that we want to make those those events more more valuable. I think we have to wait and see, but certainly there's a lot of change. I think communications, culture, those are all things that are going to be part of this as we move forward. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt. I don't think we ever will get back to. I, I think it's funny how business life and personal life you. You evolve. Sometimes that evolution is just born out of slowly over time drip. Obviously, what we've seen over the course of 2020 has just been a huge amount of change that's happened in a relatively short amount of time. And I think some things will be a, a force for the better. I think in future generations, we'll think back to having to be in an office five days a week and think of that as very archaic. But with that, remote working also comes with challenges that need to be faced with with new and innovative answers. And I'm sure there will be kind of new industries and new software and new products coming up to meet that challenge. And I've kind of given up trying to predict what the future will bring. But certainly, the rate of digital transformation, I think, will only increase as is as companies think about their culture, as you mentioned. It's cultures are really, you know, you've got to cherish your own culture. And also in customer success, you cherish your customer relationship. So it's finding new and innovative ways to still keep the ethos of what we had before, but maybe just do it in a slightly different way. But Chris, thank you so much. As I said, I was really keen to get you on as a guest because it's unusual that I've met someone who's working in CS today with your kind of background. I really find it fascinating to hear about your journey and what you've taken from each step and how that's contributed to the great leader you are now. I just really want to thank you for your time. And I've never been to Pitodri, but maybe one day we'll get a meet there. And for anyone listening in, that's where Aberdeen FC play. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was fortunate, actually, when I, when I was back over, at, I went over to the UK back in March, right before the lockdown uh, took place. And I actually got to Aberdeen's last game before the lockdown. So I can actually say I've been to all of Aberdeen's games in the last three months. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm delighted to to be here. And I love this, the subject. And one of the parts that we kind of skipped out over was that I went from initially from working in, in programming to being a project manager to moving over to customer success. I, I think it just gives you a different perspective a little bit. And you know, I love talk, talking about the subject. So if anyone wants to reach out, then I'm available and add me on LinkedIn or wherever and, and we can chat about it. Fantastic. Chris, thanks again. Great speaking with you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.